time that he starts dabbling, stepping into my sermon with his teaching. And uh, that just lets me know that God is confirming his word. Because we don't, we don't compare notes during the week. But it just lets me know what God is wanting to speak to his people. Y'all don't know it, but we, we are now in, we now have celebrity status in our church. We now have a celebrity. Is, Brother Wilson has now raced his first race last night at Fairbury Speedway. I, I saw it. I witnessed it. And uh, I'm very, very proud of him because uh, the very first race that came out, uh, Sister Ange grabbed my shoulder, and she was scared that they were going to crash, and she was scared that all this craziness was going to happen. But uh, if you've never been to a race, it's a, it's a pretty exciting thing. But... Uh, Wilson, I give you honor. I know we plan to do this together, and someday we 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 just may. But uh, you know, he did it. He he, and I, I and I can only imagine what was going through his mind that's sitting in that thing. And and uh, number one, you don't want to crash. <laughs> you don't want nobody to crash into you. But uh, but he did it. He did his first race last night. I'm very proud of him. And uh, I, I, I give you honor. <laughs> If you have your Bibles, we're going to go, go to the, the Word. Very thankful for what God is doing in this church. He's not done yet. Can I say that again? He's not done yet. What you're going through right now, that's not the end of the story. Zechariah chapter number 14 start reading for verse number 16 on down and it came to pass that everyone that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the king the Lord of hosts and to keep the feast of tabernacles and it shall be that whoso will not come up of all the families of the earth unto Jerusalem to worship the king the Lord of hosts even upon them shall be no rain and if the family of Egypt go not up and come not, they have no rain. There shall be a plague wherewith the Lord shall smite the heathen that come not up to keep the feast of the tabernacles. And this shall be the punishment of Egypt and the punishment of all nations that come not to keep the feast of tabernacles. And in that day there shall be upon the bells of the horses holiness unto the Lord. Don't tell me that God's not trying to tell his church. He desires a holy church. Don't tell me that God does not desire a church that is separated from the world. Holiness unto the Lord. And the pots in the Lord's house shall be like the bowls before the altar. Yea, every pot in Jerusalem and in Judah shall be holiness unto the Lord of hosts. And the all that sacrifice shall come and take of them and see therein. And in that day there shall be no more the Canaanite in the house of the Lord. I won't preach for just a few moments on this thought. Remember who you are. Remember who you are. Put your Bibles down. Put your hands in here. Let's thank him for the word. Father, I thank you for what you're doing. 
Father, I pray that you would prepare our hearts and our minds to receive what you have to say to the church at this time. Lord, to help us to understand that you have called us to be separate and you have called us to be a holy nation. And I thank you, Father, in the powerful name of Jesus. Clap your hands one more time to God. Give him praise. seated you know inspiration seems to come at the craziest times and at the craziest moments uh, this Lord actually spoke spoke to me while I was actually cutting grass this past week and uh, I know my my beautiful wife keeps saying honey I can cut the grass during you know when you're at work and you don't have to do that when you get home but I, that's kind of my, my thing. She, she, she keeps the house spotless and she does her thing and I don't want her out there toiling. The grass is mine. That's mine. I like it done a certain way. I want the lines to go a certain direction. It's mine. <laughs> but uh, in the midst of, of just cutting grass and, and if you've seen me out cutting grass, you'll know normally I have my headphones on and I got music on and and my mind's going a million different directions. And, but this, the, the Lord spoke this to me. And I want to focus on that holiness unto the Lord. Now, everyone here has possessions. You have things. Things that are yours. Right? We all have them. We all have uh, uh, things that we call ours and, and, and mine alone. That's my game. That's my toy. That's my shirt. That's, that's my shoe. Whatever it is, you all have that. And if you have siblings, you probably have heard that. That's my fill in the blank. If you're a parent, I'm sure you've heard this with your kids. That's mine. No? Nobody? Okay. Kia, that's your toy. Not Nessie's. That's yours. And I know you don't get possessive over it, right? Oh, she's dunking down. Maybe she does. I'm sorry. I think I struck a nerve. If you have siblings, you understand what I'm talking about. That's yours. Mom, she's wearing my shirt. She's got my shirt. Mom, that's my toy. See, I didn't have that. I lived alone. And nobody would argue but myself. <laughs> But if you live with siblings, you, you understand this thing, the labeling things to let everybody know, this is mine. The younger kids, 30 and under, will know this image and you'll understand what's going on here. Huh. Everybody know what that is? That's Woody. Toy Story. You see, Andy put his name on the bottom of his toys. That's Andy's toys. And if you watch Toy Story, you hear that during the movie. We are Andy's toys. He labeled it. That's his. Because he didn't want his siblings to mess with his toys. And those that are 40 and older will probably remember having one of these, or maybe you've done this in the past. The old Dymo machine. 
Those of you who are looking at that in bewilderment saying, I have no idea. It looks like the Starship Enterprise from here. I don't know. You would put a label in this machine and you see all the letters all above it. You would move that dial to whatever letter you want and you would squeeze the handle and you could actually print your name. J. O. H. N. And as you squeeze it, the little label comes out and then you, there's a little, little thing with the, see the scissors, a little scissor mark. You put it on that scissor and you squeeze it and you pull the label out. You peel the little thing off the back and you can put that, your name, on whatever is yours. My father had a labeling machine and he would put his name on tools and he was put his name on fishing gear because he knew there was kids and he knew there was friends that would borrow tools, that would borrow his fishing stuff, and somehow it would never seem to come back. In fact, if you go to my house right now or if you, we go on a picnic or we go somewhere, you might see me with a little blue cooler uh, that I, I bring where we put drinks in and I will take that to diff different functions. And, but if you look at the top of that cooler, that still has that label on that cooler, Fred Heil. That was my dad's fishing cooler, and he didn't want nobody to take it because he wanted that if he went fishing. And that original label is still on that cooler to this day because that was his cooler. He didn't want nobody to take it. He didn't want nobody to borrow it and, and it not make its way back. But that was his. So we label things that are ours. That's mine. That's my widget. That's my toy. In my house, those games in the basement, those are my games. Not my kids. Those are mine. I share them with Ann. She don't want them. She comes down to play them. That's my Asteroids game. That's my Donkey Kong machine. You don't know the blood, sweat, and tears it took for me and Brother Mark and Brother Zachary and Brother David to get that thing in the basement. It's mine. We had the thrill of getting one of those games up out of the basement this past week. And trust me, it's no more fun getting it up as it was getting it down. But the Lord placed this on my heart this week about you and I of who we are and what our place is in the kingdom of God. Let me remind somebody who's feeling alone. Let me remind somebody in the house today who's feeling unloved. Let me remind somebody who feels like you of, of no value, you were bought with a price. I'll say that again. You were bought with a price and you are his. Oh, this thing must not be on. You're not your own. You are his. Because I want to tell somebody right now that you are loved. I want to tell somebody right now that you are valued, that you are precious to him, that you're not alone, that he's with you even right now. You are needed in this church. You're needed in your family. You're needed in this society, in our, com just this community. We need you here. Because you were created in his image. 
See, the world's trying to push evolution on our children and push evolution on us that we were not just created by a great creator. No, you, you evolved from this, and you, I didn't come from no monkey. I may act like a monkey. I may smell like a monkey sometimes, but I did not come from no monkey. I was graciously created by the creator. You were designed by him. Get rid of all the negative thinking about yourself. Loose yourself of all the harsh criticism. Listen, we can be some of the most worst critics of ourselves. But I want you to know that God loves you despite your mistakes. God loves you despite all of your past history. God loves you despite everything that you have done. He loves you because you are his. You are a child of God. Listen, the Warren, being the son of Fred Heil hasn't got me very far in life. It hasn't. But let me tell you this, I can hold my head up high because I'm a child of the king. I can hold my head up high knowing that he loves me unconditionally. In our scripture text in Zechariah, we find the prophecy of when Jesus wages war against all the enemies that are coming against Israel and against Jerusalem. Spoiler alert, Jesus wins. <laughs> In Zechariah chapter number 14, verse 16 and 17, we read where it says, and it shall come to pass that everyone that is left of all the nations, in other words, all those outside of Jerusalem, which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the feast of the tabernacles. And it shall be that whoso will not come up, okay? So there's a command that's going on. Those that are outside of the kingdom, those that are outside are going to have to come up. But those who will not come up, of all the families of the earth unto Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, even upon them shall be no rain. So we have to understand that when the Lord sets up his kingdom, when the Lord defeats all of the enemies that are coming up against Jerusalem, coming up against Israel, that once that kingdom is set up, there is going to be a feast that is going to be observed every year. And it is expected. It's not suggested. There's some things that my employer says is expected of me. But every now and then I will get a memo that it is expected to have this report on the boss's desk by a certain time. It's expected that I go out and make sales. It's expected that I go out and do what I was hired to do. But sometimes there's a demand that there has to be this thing. And this is what is coming up to everybody outside of Jerusalem. It is expected to arrive and to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Do you see the correlation between what God is going to be setting up to what is happening right now? Number one, our God commands worship. 
Our God desires worship from us. It's not a suggestion. We need to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It's not a suggestion that you get up in the morning. We should automatically do it because he demands worship because he is the King of Kings and he is the Lord of Lords. He deserves worship. He's worthy of all the praise and all the worship. Listen, if God has saved you from your sins, that should be enough for you to get up in the morning and say, thank you, Jesus, for another day. Thank you, God, that you died on the cross for me. But beyond that, we ought to just worship him because he is just God. You are God. I give you reverence for who you are. He's looking for a people to praise and worship him. Did you hear what I said? He is looking for a people to praise and to worship him. Even right now, he's looking for so who will praise and worship me? Who will just throw their hands in the air and start to praise? He's looking for people. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Jesus said, it's now. He's looking for the true worshipers to worship him in spirit and in truth. If anybody ought to be able to raise their hands unannounced, if anybody ought to be raising their hands without being prompted, it ought to be the apostolic people. It ought to be the children of God. It ought to be the blood-bought children that say, I'm going to praise him because of everything he's done. I'm going to praise him because he died for me. I don't need music to pump me into action to praise him. But he's looking. Searching. Who's going to praise me? Who's going to worship me? We did not simply just wake up this morning, get dressed, and come to church just to sit. I didn't get up this morning, Brother Hondi, just to come to church and watch everybody else worship. I didn't get up and make my way that long distance of 30 seconds to come here and listen to somebody else praise and worship. I came with the express thing on my mind. I'm going to worship my king. I'm going to praise him. And I don't think anybody else did the same thing here today. You came up with one thing on your mind. I'm not going to see what Sister So-and-so is wearing today. I didn't come to see what the person across the pew is doing. I didn't come to see who's going to show up, who's not going to show up. I came, Lord, whether there's a hundred people in the sanctuary or whether it's just myself and my wife, I'm going to come and I'm going to worship you. I'm going to come and I'm going to worship you. I'm going to come and I'm going to give you praise. You were not designed just to sit on a pew or a chair and stay silent. But you were designed to praise your maker. You were designed to worship the king of kings. We gathered together. the one who is holy. We gather together to worship. 
You see, we become so inclined and we become so uh, 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 just made up in our mind. I'm going to go and see what's going to happen to me. Because you see, we as Americans, we want something for me. It's all about me. What am I going to get out of it? Lord, I didn't come here to get blessings. I didn't come here with an expectation of what am I going to get out of it. But God, I gathered together into this place just so I can feel your presence and worship you. And God has already showed up and he's already showed off. But I believe he's trying to change somebody's uh, mentality. He's trying to change our thinking. It's the, it's the expectation that is placed on the church just as he's going to set up his kingdom and he will expect the nations to gather and to worship him. It's an expectation that he's putting on the church. We need to gather together to worship him. You want to know why I make it a point to be in a church service to worship him? Because there's an expectation of God that he placed on the church. We need to gather together to worship him. Remember, scripture says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves because God is desiring a church to come together to worship him. There's an ongoing thing that is happening across our country right now. There's something that is being placed all across our country in churches, in pastors, in the ministry of the church. There's something that is going out. We need to get back to church. There's a calling to the prodigals. Uh, there's a calling to those saints that have are not committed. There's a calling right now. We need to commit like never before. Why? Because there's an urgency. God is coming back before too long, but he's wanting to gather his children together. He's wanting us to get together to worship him. It's not so we can place down. We've had so many people in service today. That's not what it's about. It's exciting to see all these kids showing up and coming to a church. It's exciting to see the church, the church starting to be full. But it's not about what we can report down to headquarters. We had so many people in church this day. That's not what it's about. It's about people coming together to worship the king. Man, if only the world would understand what we're feeling right now. This is something you will not get in a nightclub. This is something that you will not get just hanging out in a neighborhood parking lot. But this is something that we can only get when we gather together and worship. But there's an urgency that's going on to come and to worship. It's time to be faithful in our praise and our worship. You see, if you're just going to praise him when everything's going good. If you're only going to praise him when the bills are paid. You're only going to praise him when your children are acting normal. When the house is clean. When everything's working, Brother Joe, the dryer's not broke. We'll praise him when everything's going good. You got it all wrong. 
I'm only going to praise him. Sister Sanchez gets to really going on that real fast song and that real thumping and, and, and Brother David's pounding on the drums and Brother Zach's on here and everything's, woo, I'll praise him then. You got praise all wrong. I don't praise him when my favorite song is played only. I don't praise him when everything is going good. I praise him when everything is going wrong. I praise him when everything just seems to be breaking, when everything just seems to be chaotic. I praise him because he's deserving of the praise because he did not change. My circumstance changed. He did not change. My financial situation changed. He did not change because he's wanting the church to understand who we are. You're a worshiper. You're a praiser. So we're understanding the prophecy of, of how he's going to set up his kingdom and what he's going to demand. There's going to be a requirement for everybody outside of Jerusalem to come and to worship. But as we read in the scripture, as we read in Zechariah, what's going to happen to those that do not gather together? He said, I will not give rain. In other words, rain is very important. Rain the lack of rain causes famine. Famine causes all kinds of craziness. It causes all, all, all kinds of, of destruction. So he's saying, if you do not come and worship, I will not send you rain. But he takes that a step further if, you, if we read on in, in verse 18 and 19. He says, and if the family of Egypt go not up and come not that have no rain, there shall be what? plague he goes a step further beyond the lack of blessings but he said there will be a plague there will be something that comes upon you he says wherewith the lord shall smite the heathen that come not up to keep the feast of the tabernacles and this shall be the punishment of egypt it's a punishment. There will be a punishment for lack of worship. There will be a punishment for lack of coming together to worship. There will be a punishment for not listening to what God has already set into place. He demands worship. Not just when he sets his kingdom up, but even right now, he demands Worship. I don't want a day to go by church where I don't worship him. I don't want a day to go by where I do not acknowledge him for who he is. Listen, when you get up in the morning and you raise out of the bed, that's a blessing. When I get up in the morning and there's no popping and there's no grinding and there's no complaining of these bones and muscles, that's a blessing. I can only pray to be in good shape as elder here, climbing trees and cutting trees down and doing all the crazy stuff he does at a young 80. But if you get up in the morning, that's a blessing that God has given you. I don't want a day to go by where I don't thank God for what he's given me. God, you've placed me in a beautiful town. 
you placed me in a beautiful church. I got a beautiful family, God. What more could a man want? I am a blessed man. If I didn't have one single arcade game, if I did not have a, a nice little convertible buggy to put around town in, remove all of that. I'm a blessed man. All right, let me take that a step further because I lived it. You remove the nice house that I live in. Brother Wilson removed the job. It's still a blessed man. Got a beautiful woman in my life now. Got a beautiful family. Because you see, I lived in the back of this church. I know what it's like. These kids have lived in the back of the church. In a little tiny room. All of us. Wondering if anybody's in the church so I can go take a shower. And pray nobody walks in on me. But you know what? I was blessed. Church, you're blessed. We ought to give thanks. Every day. For what we have. But we ought to give thanks every day that God has not given up on us. That when we wake up in the morning, he's sitting right by our side. And when we go to work, he's right there. Worship should be something we do automatically. You don't have to raise your hands on this because I know the kids probably won't raise their hands. How many brushes their teeth when they get up in the morning? You go, girls. Thank you for brushing your teeth in the morning. You see, Sister Angela doesn't have to say, Pastor, did you brush your teeth? She does have to remind me sometimes, did you take your medicine? I've been known to get so busy that I walk out the door without taking my medicine. I'll be a half block away or a block away. I have to come around, come back in. There's some things that are automatic. I don't have to think about, leave notes in the bedroom, in the bathroom saying, brush your teeth. Don't, it's automatic. I get up, take a shower, shave, get all clean. I put smelly stuff on me so I don't stink. <laughs> brush my teeth. It's automatic. I don't have to think about it. It's what I do. I don't have to think about coming to church or do I have to praise do, oh yeah I have to praise today it's automatic it's what we do I don't mind dancing before my king I don't mind raising my hand I don't mind if it looks crazy what I do that's what I do it's automatic he's looking for faithfulness but I believe God has given me this message to remind the church why you're here to live a holy life and to worship him. Did you hear what I just said? To live a holy life and to worship him. You were created to worship him. You were created to live a life that honors him. You were created to be a vessel of worship. And the one thing the devil wants to do is to cause you to lose your praise and lose your worship. You want to know why he wants you to lose your praise and lose your worship? Because that's what he was created to do, to lead in worship. 
He was originally created to lead the heavenlies in worship. The scripture says that he was one of the most beautiful angels. And when he moved, he automatically made music that would cause the heavenlies to come and praise him. But because of his pride wanting the praise and because he wanted his pride to rise above what God is, he was driven out. Don't lose your praise and worship. Don't be silent because of your circumstance. Open your mouth and shout it out. Open your mouth and raise your hands and make a joyful noise. Don't be ashamed to clap your hands before everybody. Don't be ashamed just to get a little crazy before your king because that's what you were created for. You were created for worship and you were created to praise him. You are a vessel of worship. Purpose in your heart, church. I will not let a day go by that I don't praise him. All right, here we go. This is the, you, you, you had the appetizer. Here's the meat and potatoes. Verse number 20. In that day shall there be upon the bells of the horses holiness unto the Lord. And the pots in the Lord's house shall be like the bowls before the altar. Everything will have holiness unto the Lord inscribed on it. Why is that? Why does the bells have inscriptions of holiness unto the Lord? Because his holiness is going to be spreading across the land as he sets up his kingdom. He wants everybody to remind, uh, uh, he wants to be reminding everybody that he is holy. Holiness unto the Lord will be inscribed on the bells. In verse 21, and every pot in Jerusalem and Judea shall be holiness unto the Lord of hosts. Everything will be reminding holiness unto the Lord. Everything there will be a reminder of holiness to the Lord. So what God gave me this week is that when you are filled with the Holy Ghost, you become a vessel, you become a, 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 a living sacrifice. The Lord's Spirit is living with inside of you, and he says, I will inscribe in their hearts holiness unto the Lord. What's inscribed in your heart right now is holiness unto the Lord. Because he wants you to understand that you are a vessel of worship, but you also are a vessel of holiness. Why do we need to live holy, Pastor? Why, why is he trying to remind us that, 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 that holiness is so important? Just look out in the world and see what's going on. There needs to be a holy church. There needs to be a church that is living separate from what they're doing. Listen, I lived out there once. I don't want to go back there. But you see, he's causing us to be separate. I don't look like them. I don't talk like them. And I don't act like them. Why? Because we're separating from the world. Holiness is a separation. It's getting away from the world and getting closer to him, getting closer to holiness. Listen, holiness just does not happen overnight. It's a relationship. Don't you be preaching holiness from the pew to somebody. It's not your job. It's between the pastor and God. And don't you mess up what God's already started. But he inscribed holiness 
to the Lord in us. You have been labeled by God. You are his. You were created for worship. God, I want my life to worship you. Everything I do, I want to bring honor to you. Now is the time to commit church. Now is the time to consecrate more than ever. Peter said in 1 Peter 13 and 16, wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Here's where all the craziness begins. Be sober and hope to the end for grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust, the stuff that I used to do, the stuff that I used to look at, the stuff that I used to get involved with, I don't do anymore. But as he which hath called you is holy, be ye holy in all manner. What? You think that we just talk this way in church? We talk this way here. We should talk the same way out there. We should talk the same way in school. We should talk the same way in work. Because it's written, be ye holy as I am holy. Church, remember who you are. You're a chosen vessel. Brother Wilson already, already spoke on this. First Peter 2 and 9 as we stand. But you, this talking about the church, this talking about you that are within the sound of my voice right now, you are a chosen generation. It's nice to be chosen. See, I was the last to be chosen for dodgeball. I was always the last one to be chosen for the football team. Because I was always the smallest one. But church, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Here we go, a peculiar people. That you should show forth the praises of him, which have called you out of darkness into marvelous light. As the world gets crazier, we look more odd. We look more strange. How come they're not dressing like us? How come they're not allowing all that stuff in the church? Pastor, how come you don't let a drag queen come and lead worship? how come you don't allow this alternative lifestyle to come into the church? Why, why isn't this allowed in your sanctuary? Because God said, I am holy. Be ye holy. Pastor, how come anybody off the street just can't come up and, 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 and preach a message? How come you take such a, a, a hard stance on, on all this alternative stuff? Because what God has called evil, I will not allow. What God has called evil and sin, I will not allow in my home. I would not allow in my church. 
and I will not allow in my life. There's an urgency, church, to take a stand for holiness. When the world is wanting and anything goes, it's okay, feel good relationship. Do as you want to do. As long as you're a good person, you'll make it to heaven. But as long as I'm still the man of God, as long as I'm still the shepherd of this church, Acts 2.38 salvation is the only way that will be preached from this pulpit. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That is the key to salvation. That is what will continue to be preached from this pulpit. Be ye holy, for I am holy, will continue to be preached from this pulpit. And I want you to know, if I'm preaching it, I'm living it. If I'm preaching it from this pulpit, I'm not saying do as I say, not as I do. Because I want my life to honor God and be a vessel of holiness and be a vessel of worship. I'll open up these altars. If you need to make a fresh commitment to God, if you need to make a fresh consecration of God, I've really messed up in the past, but God, I want to start doing what's right. I want to be a vessel of worship. I want to be a vessel of holiness. These altars are going to be open to you. Now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. Church, he is calling us to be a holy church. If you want to come pray, I encourage you, come and seek after God and make that commitment today in Jesus' name.